with a friend, Bibius Hispanus, to secure him a little property in Italy. My friend Suetonius Tranquillus, he wrote, wishes to buy a small estate, which I hear a friend of yours is trying to sell. Please see that he has it at a fair price, so that he will be pleased with his purchase. There is indeed much about this property to whet his appetite, if only the price suits him. Easy access to Rome, good communications, a modest house, and sufficient land for him to enjoy without taking up too much of his time. Scholars who take to the country, like himself, need no more land than will suffice to clear their heads and refresh their eyes as they stroll around their grounds and tread their single path, getting to know each of their precious vines and counting every fruit tree. Later, however, Suetonius left that earthly paradise to accept a series of appointments at the imperial palace, culminating in three important secretaryships. It is intriguingly reported, though the writer who tells the story is far from reliable, that the Emperor Hadrian dismissed him from the last of these jobs, and that his patron, the Praetorian Guard Commander, lost his post at the same time because of disrespectful or over-familiar behaviour towards the Empress Sabina. Her sour expression and grim hairdo, as displayed on the coinage, inspire us with some sympathy for Suetonius, especially as her husband Hadrian was heard to remark that he would have been happy to get rid of the irritable woman had not his position made this impossible. Suetonius no doubt returned to his Italian rural retreat, but his dismissal proved unfortunate, since his later lives, on which he was still engaged at the time, suffer from the unavailability of the imperial archives that had enriched the earlier biographies with valuable information. Posterity paid the lives of the Caesars the great and well-deserved compliment of regarding them worthy of preservation, although the far more elaborate works from which their author had derived his material were allowed to perish. But the compliment was somewhat grudging, since the work only survived by a thread, for although Suetonius remained known for a long time at Constantinople, Western Europe seems to have preserved just one single isolated copy. It is from that one copy, now lost, but studied by the 9th century Frankish scholar Einhardt at the monastery of Fulda, that all our existing manuscripts are directly or indirectly derived. Three editions of the Lives were published in Italy in 1470-71, two in Rome and another in Venice. Then, in the 1530s and 1540s, translations into continental languages multiplied. Montaigne quoted Suetonius more than 40 times, modestly declaring, as any modern Suetonian student must repeat with infinitely more justified diffidence, I make others say for me what, either from want of language or want of sense, I cannot myself so well express. England then produced a wonderful, lively Jacobean translator, Philemon Holland, in 1606, though he by no means shares the succinctness of his original. Philemon, with translations, doth so fill us, he will not let Suetonius be tranquillus. The best modern English translation is J.C. Rolfe's rendering in the Loeb edition, published more than 60 years ago. G.W. Mooney translated the last six lives in 1930. Robert Graves' Penguin version of 1957 is entertaining, but has to be used with caution. Biography, judged Virginia Woolf, imposes conditions, and those conditions are that it must be based upon fact— fact that can be verified by its readers. 
but she was setting an inaccessibly high standard for the life of any individual who died nearly 2,000 years ago. Indeed, Voltaire even considered it a monstrous piece of charlatanry to pretend to paint a personage with whom you have never lived. As for the Caesars, some modern scholars scarcely regard it as practicable to attempt their biographies at all, and deliberately refrain from doing so. This warning enjoins great humility upon those unwise enough to ignore it. They can only derive reassurance from the fact that even Suetonius himself achieved his results without actually knowing the Caesars in person. When the very last of them came to the throne, he was only twelve years old, so that his acquaintance with all of his predecessors must have been entirely second-hand. Yet no one will suggest that he failed to make them come alive. Pliny wrote to the Emperor Trajan that Suetonius was not only a very fine scholar, but also a man of great integrity. A later classical writer allotted...